Uh, well, oh, Jesus, let me readjust. Damn it, Clint. Um, you know what they say. Why have P90X when you can have FedX? And that is only an inside joke that certain people will understand. But, welcome to episode 125 of the Off and Beat podcast with Clint Nelson. I'm your host, Clint Nelson. Full. Um, don't forget to like, follow, comment, follow the podcast on all apps. Put the notification bell. And most importantly, guys and ladies, suck some titties. Ah, uh, Jesus. That opening was cringe. Della cringe, homie. <laughs> uh, Wu-Tang. Uh, want that cream. Cream. Uh, but yeah. It's been, a Recording this, by the way, at 1.45 a.m. March 14th. On a Monday. Not a Tuesday. Not a Tuesday. It's on a Monday. Um, so yeah, it's a good day. It's been a, it's been a wonderful, it's been a wonderful time in society. I mean, you know, in borders, you know, don't want to shoot your missiles astray, which I think we're actually kind of afraid. By the way, I learned a well. It's hard to call something a fun fact when the result of it is not fun at all. I think it was some like we have like 680 or it was some weird thing where basically us, America and Russia and China. It may just be us and China, but us and Russia. We have so many nuclear missiles ready to go at any time that like one nuclear missile would kill like approximately if you were to drop in New York City. It would kill about 500,000 people on the spot. Let's imagine we just start just battleshipping all over the world or country type of shit. Um, it's a scary thing. And just imagine that the decision and result of it is literally just because a person in charge is just like, we're going there. That's literally what starts all this shit. But I don't want to talk too much about that, you know, this is supposed to be a lighthearted pod. So, you know, let's talk about, let's talk about small hands, um, which pretty sure Putin's small little hand just pressed the red button. And next thing you know, he's uh, putting the blame on us. Um, but yeah, it's a, uh, so there's been this recent combine situation. The NFL Combine, which I believe was last week, where this quarterback who's projected to be a first-round pick named Kenny Pickett. Apparently, um, his uh, fingers are very slim picking, which is kind of a weird thing. And apparently, small is considered eight and a half. There's a lot of lovely ladies that would take eight and a half of something. Um, you know what they say, there's eight and a half inches of dick somewhere. Um, <laughs> just got to keep on looking right here. Um, but apparently eight and a half inch hands is small for NFL, which if he were to enter the league, he would by default be, have the smallest hands of any quarterback in the league. Not rookie, not backup, not starter of all quarterbacks. And, uh, my thing is. You know, for all these geniuses that do these mock drafts and analysis and shit like this, and now they make a big deal about it, right? Which is like, okay, if hand size is a big deal, because they went to his college numbers, he had like 38 fumbles. That's a lot of fumbles. I don't care how many games you played. I don't care if you played eight years. 38 fumbles is a lot of fumbles. Now, I believe he was a three-year starter, essentially. So he basically fumbled it every game. Uh, You know, breaking down the numbers. And... Yes, we're back to the sports pod, Um, which is ironic because there was actually an analyst that said, you know, I don't know if he would work in Pittsburgh because, you know, they're in need of a core. I don't know how he would fit in with the Steelers, you know, with the weather and stuff, even though he literally played at the University of Pittsburgh. Cannot make this shit up. 
These are dudes that get paid six figures to cover the draft. And one of the main things you can know without knowing, breaking down any film, when you just look at their Madden chart, when you see what school, height, and weight, how many years they've been in the league, it literally says the fucking university they go to. You study the tape, and you'll know it doesn't ring a bell like, oh, wait, he played at Pittsburgh. So obviously, the weather and shit wasn't the biggest deal in the world. Um, but whatever. But I found it interesting that they, uh, the obsession with the man's hands, and I get it. There's there's something great about having a great pair of manly, thick. Which, by the way, I believe with age, your hands kind of grow. Like, you know, they make the thing like, oh, you stop growing in height at the age of 16. It's like, really? Because I've grown three inches since, like, 15. And I don't, I don't know if I'm necessarily growing, but, you know, I feel like I've added a few inches to the treetop. Um... It's like these it's like these myths that we just stop growing. Literally, I'm not talking about your spiritual healing growth. I'm not talking about like, oh, I got, you know, ran by six dudes last week. You know what? I think I'm growing into a better person this week. I'm going to stay celibate for three years. And it's like, okay. Because, you know, I'm really growing as a person. It's like, all right. Um, you're not Wolverine. Those scars are not healing overnight. And even Logan slash, the, or slash Wolverine. Um, in case you don't kind of get the symbolism, not getting too deep in the comics. At least my interpretation. I'm pretty sure my friend Jeff or all these comic book, all these comic book storyline fiends are gonna be like, that's not true. But my interpretation is these scars is because. The physical star scars that he recovers so quickly. But yet he's always damaged and hurt internally. Which kind of go show that physical scars heal. Internal ones don't. Kind of a sappy way of looking at it. Um, but yeah. God damn it, Jane. Or, yeah, is it Jane, right? Whatever the fucking rogue. He was into rogue. By the way, the first X-Men... The way she, like, chews the gum, the way she chews whatever the fucking mint or Jolly Rancher in her mouth is highly distracting, but for some reason satisfying. But whatever. Um, but yeah, there's a there's an obsession with the man's hands. Now, I get it. Football size, NFL football size. Technically, the NFL ball is a little bit bigger, I believe. So it kind of matters. Obviously, it matters. The bigger hands, the better. But then when you do deeper research of, okay, if it's just about how big your hands are and that determines success, you look, I, I, I think there's a stat that anyone with 10 and three quarters hands and bigger has not started like 10 or more games in the past like 15, 20 years. Like it's like that there's a sweet spot. You don't want it too small. You don't want it too big. But it's weird how these analysts... They have all this access to film and tape and shit. And then on the combine, they want to make it this whole big deal and make fun of it and memes. And the way I look at it is like, you guys didn't do your due diligence, but I feel like hand size is something when you meet with these guys, you can kind of, they have all this inside and source information. They have all these sources. But yet none of these quote unquote sources could, uh, Tell like, hey, this guy, uh, let's just say when he puts on his mom's oven mitts, he has to really pull them down because it's a little loose when you're grabbing that pan of jalapeno poppers. Um, It's just fascinating to me because when you hear these men talking about another man's hand size, I was thinking, what if, what if we just had a combine of dating men and women are just in the stands at a combine reacting to your measurements reacting to your skill sets in life and they change the three cone drill to uh do you know how the you know saw some wood or hey do you know how the 
you know, get under the hood of a car and do some shit. And it was just like a men combine where we could cut through the bullshit of, hey, you know, one day I'm going to be some baby. You just got to trust me. Let me fuck up the next nine years of your life. And then by the time you realize it ain't happening. Come on, baby. <laughs> but if we just had a combine where men and women... We can just get each other's measurements, get each other's skill set right there in a three-day weekend, and you can narrow down the shit that matters to you and the shit that doesn't, and then either take them home or trade your draft pick. Because you know what? There's going to be a girl out there that doesn't mind about Kenny Pickett's small, smallish hands. I'm not going to call them small because they're probably bigger than mine. But it's just, what if, what if we men and women had this combine? How comfortable would us men feel about that? If we just have women judging our attributes, our actual skill sets? And what if, on the other side, you have the woman out there, you know? Oh, look her vacuum from the 10 to the 20. <laughs> she's, she's got that good first step. <laughs> and no, I'm not being a dickhead. Just, you know, stereotyping things that men and women... I've been known in history to stereotype to do, okay? But what if we just had where we could cut through the bread? We had a combine where fuck these apps where you can tell, oh, I can do all this, man. I'll make your life better. I can give you the dream. Never thought we... What if we just had it right there in the combine? On the screen, it says, this is what he made last year. This is how much he's made in the past five years. His pros, you know, he's really nice, really good work ethic. He'd be a great father. Cons, uh, he's kind of abusive. Um, he's got a little mean streak. Um, he 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 will give kids on the bike the old taparoo from behind. And uh, sources say, you know, uh, sometimes he uh, sometimes he throws rocks through the neighbor's yard. Sometimes he may bang the neighbor's wife. Hey. But it's all out there. You have all the information you need. You know his past. You know her past. Know like you find out six years in. You know right there. Now look, there's always going to be the exceptions. But even the exceptions, there's a lot of data that led up to it. Aaron Hernandez went to the combine. It was no shock when people found out he murdered like, yeah. I can't say I'm surprised. Now that I'm happy it happened, but hey, shit happens. You know, there's things that you can, there's things that you pick up and you have to make that calculator risk. Is this worth the draft pick? Is this worth the compensation? Is this worth the amount of investment I am putting into this? And that's something the individual makes. But you're telling me, I feel like the hand size, it's a visual look. Like if you're old enough, you know what a hand size, you know what a hand typically looks like on a proportional body of the person who has the hands. You know, I understand you're not going to be at the bookstore and you see some cute guy drinking a Java chip frappuccino. And he's going over there, reading a biography of his favorite radio host. Maybe writing a little this, a little bit of that. I'm, I'm sure you're not going to go over there. And the first thing you're going to be like, put your hand out on a piece of paper. And then you trace his hand like it's the third grade before you put a little turkey legs on it or whatever. And make a little pilgrim thing. But you trace the hands and then go home and then measure it. I, you know, that would be kind of a weird thing or the measure on the spot. Like, no, that would be weird. But the combine is a safe, sacred place where he can't just sell you the dream. He can't sell you sweet nothing. She can't, she can't pretend to tell you how much this stuff doesn't matter to her because then when she sees that you can't do shit and compare the 20 other guys who can do shit, she's going to realize he can't do shit. <laughs> It's fair game. Have a combine that works for everyone. Fuck these, fuck these reality dating shows. But my thing is with the hands, 
That is something that is easily gettable. That is something you can figure out like, hey, on tape, you see how the hand is around the football if you watch as much fucking tape as these guys say they do. They have all these internal sources into these, you know, universities and football locker rooms. They have all this access to millions and billions of dollars. And they can't have someone say, hey, so how are the hands looking? And someone's like, well, probably a little less than you like. That never came up when he's this high of a valuable pick. And we want to make a big deal about it. That's whatever. But yeah. Have a combine for the ladies and the men. Uh, just a thought. By the way, uh, Tom Brady unretires. Just heard that about a couple hours ago. Uh, I guess good for him. You know, you know, there's only so much, you know, and I was listening to the, I was listening to Bill Simmons pod. So, but the topic came up. He, he started, Bill, Bill Simmons has this thing where he kind of, what I like about him is that like, he's always like realistic about when people use excuses and it applies then because he has a family, has a wife. He's like, and his long thing about is when you hear retired players or coaches be like, take time away and like, you know what? I want to spend time with my family. He's like, yeah, you know what always happens after seven weeks of spending time with your family? You're like, you know, this is, this is all right in doses. There's only so much you can do in a day with your family. There's only so much you can tolerate. You still have to find something to do for yourself. It's not healthy. And, you know, I, honestly, I, I get the aspect of, I, I think when your kids get to a certain age, I can understand, um, I, I can understand, like, if you if you have a job that's highly demanding or all that and you're missing shit and all that. It's a weird thing where, you know, you want to be, you don't want to be, even though you know you're providing and bringing a shitload of money in his case, like, it's like, hey, I know I'm not like technically home for like three months, but just know you're going to thank me when you don't have to pay for shit for the, the next 15 years of your life, your school's paid for, all this shit. So you know what? I'm sorry I was gone for three years when you were 11 years old. I'm sorry I missed your guitar lessons. I'm sorry I missed a couple of your rec basketball games. You know what? Here's $10 million. Pay for school. Go out and shut the fuck up. That would be my response. But I get it. You want to be there in your kid's life. You don't want the kid to be like, you were never there for me. It's like, do you, look up my contract numbers. Look up my contract numbers. You know, that that phone that I paid for, that tablet that I paid for, that subscription fee to everything you listen and watch that I paid for, look how look how your daddy's able to afford that shit. That's what I would tell if I was making that type of money. But like, you wanna know why I'm gone for three months? Twenty-five million. That's why. Alright. And guess what? I see you for the other six months and you bitch about me for two and all this shit. And it's like, do you see the house you're living in? You see the view? That's why I'm gone for three months. Alright. Jesus. Ungrateful. No, nah, but seriously. is you know, I get the whole thing where you don't you don't want to miss out on things in kids' life. Like obviously I'm not a parent. But you know, I always say to people that I was like, you're not a parent, you should speak. It's like, you know what? I was once a child. I guess technically you're always a child of a parent. But I was once like a child. And so, yeah, I kind of, you know, I, people always want to forget the other 50% of the equation. It's like, you were never a parent. It's like, yeah, I was a child though, okay? But I get it. Like, there's certain things you don't understand until you actually have to play the role, I guess. But I, I guess my thing is, well, I should say that his view is always that, it's like, yeah, look, it's like the whole family thing. It's like you sleep for seven hours, you eat for an hour, you may work out for an hour, and then you still got approximately six to seven more hours of the day you got to figure out. And spending more time with your family is not necessarily the solution to better that equation. 
It's like you gotta find something to do, especially when you're like still 40s or 50s type of thing. It's like, it's like you know, your kids don't want to be around you seven hours a day, anyways. Like, what does that mean? Spending time with your family, I guess. Like, obviously, we know what it means. It's like, hey, on the weekends we go do shit together. Hey, you know, when I get home from work, cook dinner, watch TV, have conversations, play a board game of Sorry. And, you know what, yeah, like, that's spending time with the family, alright, you go out to dinner, you you do shit, but, like, but the whole, you know, when athletes, I shouldn't even say athletes, but typically, they're the ones that retire at a younger age, and this, so it's always weird when the 33-year-old's like, hey, I want to retire right now, spend more time with my family, and then they come back a year later, realize, yeah, you know, it was nice, and my wife's like, hey, we appreciate the sentiment, but sometimes I just like to drink wine and, you know, watch Tasha K online. That sounds very specific, but not really. I always use specific references, and yet 99% of them are never actually specific to me. But yeah, it's just a, it's just a weird thing. I don't know. But I guess, you know, one thing I've always thought of, something i thought about recently, but I guess this scenario of taking time off to be with your family is always a generic thing. What are you going to do, be the asshole, to be like, oh yeah, is that really the reason? It's like, even if it's not, fuck you. Even if it's not the reason, I have a family, so I can use the excuse. It's like when you have kids, the kids can be an out to not do shit that maybe you would have been hesitant to say no to a friend before it's like you know what no i'm not going to you know i have a kid it's like your kids in daycare between those hours it's like so i have a kid i need to recover (laughs) and it it, it can always be used as a built-in excuse and it's a very valid one more times than not like what are you gonna do be like oh yeah well fuck your kid it's like no fuck you why am i even friends with you you can't tell him. You can't say "fuck my kid." I also found it interesting. Like I've always, and I was listening to some. And they were talking about the show Mindhunter on Netflix, and they were talking about the. Or I don't. Oh no, no! I was listening to the We Might Be Drunk podcast with Sam Rowe, Mark Norman, and he was telling the story. I think they were talking about Mindhunter or something, and that criminal fantasy type of weird shit. But this was real. A woman apparently. Uh, staged the kidnapping of her kid. And she was eventually caught because the investigator's like, why do you wear things like that? Like, but anyway, she basically staged the kidnapping of her kid. Basically, hired a hitman for a kid, but made it seem like it was like, oh my God, he was kidnapped and shit. All because she was with the new guy, right? It's weird, like... I've never understood the thing where like you have a kid and some new guy comes in your life and he's like, yeah, that that kid thing you have, not gonna work. And you think the typical response would be like, well, I'm sorry, if you're being nice about it, like, well, I'm sorry, like, kind of a package deal. Um, and he's like, no, you're not. You don't have to be. And instead of doing. A slightly less douchey thing of maybe putting your kid up for adoption or just dropping off at the grandparents and escaping for life. You're just like, you know what? You're right. Let me just stage the kidnapping of my kid, kill him, so then we can move to Vegas, baby. The Vegas lights. And look, she basically staged the kidnapping. Kid was killed. Um, I don't say it lightly, but unfortunately... We desensitize murder to such an extent that even when you say that, it's just kind of like, ah, what are you going to do? And people are like, oh, well, that's just, you know, that, that's that unconditional love, ride or die. It's like, eh, not the expense of a child that's just like, hey, I don't need a father, but don't kill me. Hey, <laughs> like, Jesus, give me a chance. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the investigator was like, hey. Like, during her testimony, she's like, you know, apparently when red flags when people are investigating kidnappings and there's a suspicion that they're, it's not a kidnapping, 
it's a stage thing to make it seem my kid went missing. Typically, when someone's child is kidnapped, they don't want to acknowledge that they're kidnapped and like, holy fuck. They use the words missing, like kind of like a dog that runs away in the middle of the night type of shit. Um, her first words were when she filed a report and went to the police was, my son's been kidnapped. And that automatically raised a red flag because as he's like investigating after, he's like, wait, typically when people's kids go missing, they don't say my kid's been kidnapped. They say my kid's been missing because they don't want to assume the worst. They try to be as optimistic throughout the process because it's almost like you don't want to accept that your kid's in serious danger. You don't want to accept that your kid possibly is going to die. So that raised a red flag. Um, and there was a few other things I can't remember off the top, but essentially, yeah, I forgot how they came up. But yeah, kids. But, you know, there's this weird thing about, um, one, one thing I was curious about is especially when you see a parent, well, I, here's what I'll say. When you see a parent like that, they didn't even give their chance, they didn't even give their kids a chance to see if one day what they'll be calm type of thing. But what's fascinating to me is there's really people out here that are like that 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 legitimately have a despise for their own children. But it's not as direct as like they're at home beating them, doing shit like that. Like they may be a good mother 90% of the time. And there's just that 5% that just like, when they look in the mirror or whatever, where they're just like, I just, I just can't stand them. And not in the stressful, like, I need a break sometimes for like 10 minutes. I'm talking about like, I legitimately don't have like legitimate love for my child outside of what I feel is just a bare minimum level of them coming out of my body. And there's a there's a weird thing where people will put their kids on the back burner and put random people that come in their life, in this situation like dudes that come in their life, and they put these random ass dudes on pedestals. And the audacity of someone coming in that person's life and be like, yeah, fuck your kid. And they're just like, oh my God, you've been saying what's on my mind. And, you know, I mean, they kind of fucked up, but honestly, obviously that happens. It's just, it's fascinating to me. But I, th- I think what the mentality of that type of parenting is, these kids are literally only alive. And the only reason why I would want to raise them and all this shit is for one day for them to pay my bills. Child, child, please pay my bills. Now, as a child, should you ever feel should you ever feel required to pay your parents' bills when you get older? Um, I don't think a parent should ever necessarily raise a kid to require them. But I feel like if you've done the right things, your kid will want to take care of you when they get older if they can afford it, right? And that's the thing, is the whole idea of raising kids and parenting is the whole end game is just to kind of reverse the cycle, which is ironic where some of the cycles, you have kids, you take care of them to a certain age, and then they learn to take care of themselves through life. And then as you get older, shit in your pants, they take care of you. And that's kind of the beautiful cycle that we all are probably going to have to unfortunately go through one day. And that's why it's always much more tragic when a child dies before the parent. No matter whether it's accidental or well, accidental or if it's uh, traumatic, if it's instant, or if it's just some natural shit that you can't really foresee, it's always the saddest. Because it's just not how it's supposed to go. But should that child, like, should there ever be an expectation, like, when you see your kid and they're, like, 14 years old? Regardless if you're financially well-off or not so much, 
even if it's the most purest of parenting intentions, you've never asked your children for a dollar, you've never really, you never even hinted that money has ever mattered to you like that. You obviously understand the importance of money to survive in daily life, but your whole sole focus in life shouldn't just be about making money per se. But is it wrong to have the expectation that, hey, look, man, I don't know when you're going to start getting some money rolling in, but when you do, it'd be nice if, you know, we can pay off the house, you know, maybe, you know, you know, get us a little upgrade on the vehicle, you know, maybe upgrade to real health insurance, um, you know, like, is it wrong to expect that from your child? Or should it just be you never expect it and you just hope that your child comes to you and says, I got this. I think the latter would always be like, I think it's okay like a percentage to be like, you know what? Yeah, you know what? Once in a while, you know what? You can send a couple thousand this way. I fucking raise you. I damage my body getting you out of me. The least you can do is, you know, send me on a trip somewhere. I don't know. You know, take me out for drinks. Have people confused. Is this a day or is that his mother? Either way, I'm getting it. Um, <laughs> is it is it wrong to ever be like, child, please pay my bills? Not to go the Ocho Cinco route. But obviously, I think the thing is, I think most kids of parents, and by kids, I literally mean... By default, you always be a kid to your parent, child, grown adult. You're always going to be their son, their daughter, or whatever in between. <laughs> and that in the prayer. Oh, saying somewhere in between is just as bad. It's like, all right, you know what? I don't feel like naming the 92 different identities. So you know what? Everything else. How about that? Um, only have an hour-long show here. Look, and, but... Is it is is it weird? Is it wrong? I I don't I don't I personally don't think if I was a parent, I wouldn't want to be in a position where my child would be forced to have to take care of me if need to be. But I would certainly like kind of look away like, oh, what do you mean you're too good to pay for my hospice care? It's like, huh? You know all the fucking dinners I cooked for you. You know all the times I lost sleep taking you to school because you didn't want to wake up on time you know all the times i did this for you and you can't take eight grand out of your account to go towards a failing business and take care of me huh well fuck me then but no it's unconditional love clint no matter what no matter what you love your kids no matter what it's like okay I get it that even when they're complete shitheads, you're going to love them no matter what, just for the fact that maybe one day, this turned into the parenting one-on-one pod. It's like, you know, sometimes as a parent, I, I think we, I think we've kind of fallen too much into culture. We just want parents to accept us no matter what, no matter how much pieces of shits we are, no matter how jaded, no matter how selfish no matter like if you're 22 or 52, you're supposed to love us no matter what. It's like, I don't know, like you've you've kind of not returned the favor for 50 plus years. What am I teaching you if I just continually teach you that you never have to return the favor for 50 years on anything? Forget 50, five years. Who are you going to be with? We're so one-sided. Like, look, I understand as a parent, like, it's always going to be 90-10%. Because by default, by the time you get it together, I'm close to I'm close to falling. Alright? So there's always going to be that percentage. But goddamn, for four months, can you at least be an appreciative cunt? Even if you are a sack of shit. Just return the favor. It's not about the money. Just spend time with me, baby. And there'll literally be people out here who have the means and everything, be like, well, you know what? That's not my problem and shit. It's like, you know what? Bringing on this earth wasn't my problem. And without it being my problem, you wouldn't even have a problem to say that it's not your problem. 
and I'm not out here, and people are going to be like, oh, well, you know, you don't know everyone's situation. And honestly, 98% of the time, the situation do you guys prefer to, to not be in touch with your parents, or to at least not be there when they're, you know, about to fall to God's graces, is always some dumb, petty shit. Like, I, I remember I worked with I worked with a person. Now, this was years and years ago. Uh, I believe it was, like, my first job. I remember it was, like, less than a month in. This girl, her uh, her mother died. I'm not even joking. It's, it's really fucked up. Her mother died. Her mother died, like, a year prior. And... Someone told me that, yeah, she didn't even go to her mother's funeral. And I'm like, first of all, how do you know that? They never really answered that part of the question. Yeah. So when she didn't, so when they started telling me a little bit more and I'm like, okay, but why didn't she go to the funeral? She said, well, well, it had to do a lot with when she grew up, she used to not really always be the nicest to her. And I'm like, okay, like, any details? Apparently, this person was pretty well connected with this situation. Like, yeah, you know, she would come home from school. The first thing she would do, she wouldn't let her out with her friends until she did her schoolwork. I'm like... I don't know, that sounds pretty standard. I don't think that's being mean. She also had a curfew. I'm like, yeah, most teenagers do, but okay. And she just keeps listing shit that I'm like, that's not mean. Your parents not supposed to be your best friends because I've seen firsthand of what happens. Uh, I know I know a person, I'm not going to name the name, but me and my friend, let's just say we know a person. Kind of know their mother to an extent. Pass by each other when we hang out our spot. And you see what happens when a mother or father has a too close of a friendship with their son slash daughter. Um, I'm not even going to say which one because if I say mother, son, this, blah, blah, you, you'll know exactly. They may know. So I'm just going to keep it at that. When a parent and this kid have a very... The type of relationship that you should only have with your best friends or very close friends of your age group, essentially. I think that's always weird. Like, I think you should be open with your parents about some things. But I'm not going to be sitting there getting drunk with my parents. Like, that's just kind of weird. Um, I, I, I think there's certain... Se- and there'll be some parents that smoke weed with the parent or smoke weed with the kids. I've always found that like weird. And the buffer and the excuse, I should say, or the reason, you know, it's not an excuse, it's a reason. It's like literally the same thing. But the reason is because, well, you know, if you desensitize and show like, hey, if you, it's like if you drink with your kids or you do this with your kids, you taboo things with your kids. It makes it where they don't look at it as that big of a deal. Which is, I guess, it's like, well, she's going to be, they're going to be out there doing it anyways. So you might as well do it with them. It's like, well, no. Because you just let them go out there and do it anyways. Because if you're doing it in the home, they're saying like, oh, if stuff happens in the home, they, it should happen everywhere as well. And that, I mean, I don't know. I I just don't think that's me personally. I think most people agree, like, doing drugs or alcohol with your kids is never really, I don't think it's the greatest tactic. But again, I'm not a parent. But all I know is, as a child, if that would have been my relationship with my parents, I don't think that would have been a good message going out there in the world. I don't think that would be a good precedent. I think my relationship with those things could be completely different. I don't think you hide those things from your kid, per se. Like, I don't think you should be one of those where you hide the alcohol. 
you shouldn't just have it right there, you know, ready for a three-year-old to grab your chocolate whiskey. But you don't, like, try to put in some safe and cover where it makes them want to go see. Because kids are, kids, and t- they're, they're creatures, sneaky, little, you know, ready or not, here I come type of fuckers. And even the more you try to hide some, the more they're going to want to find it. Or if it's right there in the cabinet, right there in the pantry, even right there just on the counter. Not like right out there, but you know, in the corner somewhere, you know, you have a little, you have a little bottle of Konak or some shit. Like, it's like, oh, they see it. When they see it, it's like, oh, they're probably not going to have a heavy fascination with what alcohol is. And they're going to realize, oh, this isn't even that thing of a deal. They may not even drink till they're like 23. Which is insane. But you shouldn't sit there and be like, want some shots, young buck? Let's get it. And then they're playing Potty Rockets in the house tonight. Because, you know, parents always want to keep hip with things, with stuff they hear on Star 94. And, uh, yeah. But that same kid that you're sitting there smoking bowls with, as the kids say, is that the person you're going to expect to one day pay your bills? Is Should that be the expectation? I don't know. Just uh, open thoughts here. Child, please pay my bills. Um... Here's my concluding thoughts on that. I will say. Is I think as a child. You should always. When you have the money. If you ever get. Enough money to be. And even if you don't have a crowd. You should at least try to do things here and there. Some I've been trying to get back at recently. You know. Feel like I'm starting to get on my feet financially. Getting a little bit. But I think you should always. I, I think you should always be in the back of your mind. To want to give back to your parents in any way you can. You know, but at one point, is that realistic? And that, I think, I think, I think where the tension can, is like the second someone like gets a first job and their parents are like, oh, you need to start paying rent. You need to start, it's like, I'm 19. Like, I make 320 bucks a week. Oh, you got to prepare for the real world. It's like, I'm not going to enter the real world making 320 bucks a week though. I'm not an idiot. You raised me better than that. Trust what you raised. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's this thing where it's almost like when, uh, and I get like, you know, sometimes you got put fire under your kid's ass. Like, yeah, they've been at home and they're like 33 and they haven't held the job for more than three weeks, shit like that. Like, sure. But when you're sitting there and, you know, you don't uh, you don't want to set your kid back before they can even start, right? That's how teen pregnancies happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> or, you know, right out of high school pregnancies. I don't know what's worth. Like, if you get, if you, I honestly think the one where, like, you get pregnant seven months out of high school is so much worse than having, like, a kid when you're 16 or 17. When you're 16 or 17, there's, like, this whole storm of holy shit. The 16-year-old got pregnant. Like, that's the whole thing around the school. And, you know, sometimes it's by your uh, good old world history teacher. Shout out, Mr. Mister Brew. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, um, I know I'm a little slow in my thoughts. I haven't potted in a little bit, so like, I got to keep the engines going. That's not the, the pistons. The fucking pistons. By the way, Kate Cunningham, looking all right. Motown, Motown, Kate. Um, it's, it's just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. You know, sometimes it's good to say, like, you, you had a point and it got lost somewhere. It got lost in the wind when your eyes set again. Will you find my friend? And I said, no. I I am your friend. Oh, sorry. Wrong friend. You got a friend in me. 
Um, but not alcohol. Alcohol is not your friend. And so, but yeah, I think I think you should always want to give back to your parents in any way you can. Whether you make $200,000 a year, $20,000 a year, you can find little things here and there that matter to your parents. Because chances are, they probably don't really want money from you. But it's just the fact that, hey, I've set your life up. I set you up for success. I was able to let you choose something to make money. To give you the opportunity to choose what you want to do. And you found a way to make money. I don't think, you know, it would be nice to make make our lives a little easier. Because without us, there's no you to choose this path. And that's what I'm saying. And I'll tell you what really bothers me, right? When people say about their parents and shit. When people say, I... It's like, you know what? You didn't do that for me. You weren't, you weren't in, you weren't the one studying four hours. You weren't the one that went for it and moved here and did this and made it happen. It's like, yeah, you're right. I wasn't there every moment, but I raised you to be able to have the mindset to be persistent. The mindset to actually give you a chance to choose what you wanted to do. And have the option of choice and not be forced into something just because it was convenient. And I struggled so you can make a choice to do what you wanted to do. And you're right. I wasn't in that room working with you. You're right. I wasn't there every second of the way. I wasn't there giving you ideas. I wasn't there making you study. I wasn't there telling you how to fucking live your life. But I gave you the biggest... I gave you the biggest prize and the biggest thing of all. The ability of choice. Which is something that, for example, that I think a lot of people forget is that most kids come from when you have kids. Like when your parent has kids, a lot of choices are taken care of. This is my perspective, not individuals. But like, let's say if you have kids at a young age, like... I think it's obvious why that's hard and not a lot of people can have sympathy for you. Even though I think it's not even about like the thing is like I look at having kids at a young age like have like kind of being someone that struggles with your weight or being fat or being obese. Is that for some reason no one has sympathy for like and no one's asking for sympathy. But people have the least amount of sympathy for those two things. But yet will be the and will be the most critical of those things. And yet just tell you their solution is get over it. Their solution is just be better. Just do better. No, 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 no. And then, but if you're obese, you're probably, you're the worst, you're a terrible person in society. I'm annoyed looking at you. You have kids at a young age. You're this, that, and the other. They put labels on you. You struggle with weight. You're this, that, and the other. It's the two things that people have the least amount for some reason. I shouldn't say all, but you know what I'm talking about. Where people have the least amount of, have the least amount of at least uh, empathy, I guess, or not. Because I don't want to use the word sympathy because it's not really a sad thing per se, but I guess where they have the least amount of trying to understand because if you're fat, they look at themselves like, well, I'm not fat and I eat all this shit. So that means you must be really eating a lot of shit. Not knowing that body changes, people have different bodies, people have different appetites. There's a lot of things that dictate someone's weight that isn't just you just eat 1,500 calories a day, you eat 4,000, stop eating 4,000 calories. Like, it's not always the case, right? And people assume if you have children at 18, 19, 20, 22, that you're just a terrible decision maker. You're just this, that, and the other. But yet, they will hold those two people that they look down on to the highest expectations because raising a child is one of the biggest things that a person can do in this world because you are literally raising the next generation you are literally raising someone's husband someone's wife someone's someone someone who someone is going to make a kid with them and make another little one 
And did you instill the right things to make that person be able to be ready to carry the biggest baton that we have in society, which is raising children? I know no one wants to hear that. I know it sounds cliche. I know it sounds, I know it's not cool to say that raising kids is a big obstacle with the least amount of rewards financially and everything. And the financial rewards shouldn't even be beneficial unless they make a lot of fucking money. And you're like Drake's mom, just out here like, yeah, <laughs> not, but it's just, uh, it's just fascinating to me, like people that struggle with weight, people are obese, people that, you know, have food control issues, however, however you want to call it, and people that have kids at a young age get shit on essentially the most in society, with the least amount of even trying to understand. But then we will also sit here and try to justify pedophilia. We will try to justify a lot of this bullshit. We will justify a lot of bad behavior from grown adults. When a lot of really bad behavior from grown adults probably could have been kind of resolved if there was actual real support system in society to raise children. You know, it's the old adage, it takes a village to raise a child. It doesn't literally mean, obviously, I mean, you could take it literally, like in third world countries, like, the mother is obviously the main figure, but during the day, the kid goes from one, like, kind of one home to another, they have the kid do this, like, the kid is always monitored by a bunch of figures, whether that's parental, older figures, to guide them and teach them lessons that one person, realistically... And all, all the all the adults in the village take care of all the kids, kind of like in a round robin way. We're like here, like if you were imagining, like, hey, your kid's over here. I'm gonna bathe. Is it okay if like I wash your kid and bathe your kid? Not me, because it would be kind of. But let's say like the mother of that household. Let's say two eight year olds are well, I don't know, eight year olds maybe kind of weird if someone's bathing you. Let's say two five year olds are at a. You know, are at a stranger's house. They're having sleepover, whatever. And it wouldn't. It would be a little bit odd, or at least in our culture and society, where if the one mom who, you know, sent their kid over there and trust them there, and the one mom's like, hey, you know, hey, they, you know, they were outside. They, you know, they got really dirty. They closed it at the knees. Do you mind if I bathe them? If I bathe your child, like that would be a weird thing if it's just some neighbor or whoever or some person that you from school parent from school that you don't really know that well not like it's a sibling of yours like it wouldn't be just some oh yeah do what you gotta do the fact that you would even have to ask i think kind of says like hey i know this kind of super but your kid shitted his pants i think it'd be best so he doesn't get rashes or you call out i'm also gonna throw away the underwear well don't throw away the underwear is, you know, reuse it. It's like, no, we're not going to reuse it. Uh, I'm going to help you. Because we're a village here. I'm going to teach you how to be parents. Alright? Um, but it takes... It really does take, for one, sanity, time, to truly raise a child at a young age. It's, it, it really, you know, maybe America's the one that's got it wrong where we just have the people that have the kid... Yeah, you should be responsible, you know, for mostly anything of importance. But this is weird thing where it's like, hey, um, I know you're trying your darnest out here, but um, all that working hard and shit, yeah, fuck you. Um, your kid's gonna starve this month, and people say, well, you shouldn't have had a kid before you're ready. It's like, all right, you know what? Then most of y'all wouldn't have been born. Most most kids are born when the parents weren't ready. Because there's no logical good fucking reason to sit there and be like, you know what? Life's a little too easy. Let's just let's have a kid. There's no logical reason on the other side where it's like, hey, uh, I know we're $15,000 of debt. I know we're behind on a mortgage. I know uh, we are, I know we have one running vehicle that we're basically breaking down every month and a half. Um, I know, I know my job's not paying me that much. I know you, your job's not, 
you know, cutting your hours. You know what would really bring purpose to our life? A child. That's not, you know, that's not really the most ideal situation. But it happens. What are you going to do? Not have sex with your wife? What are you going to do? You're at home with someone eight hours a day? Your dick's accidentally going to go in somewhere. Might as well be with the person you said, I do. And she's like, eh, might as well. Um, <laughs> like, this shit, like, it just, it, it's this unrealistic thing where, I, you know, and look, I'm not saying I've always been the softest of critics on certain things. Like, I'm always like, look, you put yourself in that situation at the end of day, yes. But at the same time, as much as I want to say that, I'm not going to sit there and just watch a mother, a homeless mother on the street holding her kid, you know, literally homeless and just be like, and put my head out of the way. Like, could you imagine if the comments, imagine if you translate YouTube comments to what people say about these situations. Like, we are so comfortable, the shit on single mothers, the shit on this, and I get it. I'm not saying everyone deserves sympathy. I've been critical of certain ones that try to take advantage of systems. But imagine you see an actual homeless single mother. It doesn't matter why she's homeless. She could have been kicked out, lost a job, whatever. Husband left. Doesn't really matter. She's on the street trying to get, trying to just feed her child. And I know no one has sympathy because they always say, well, should have had a career of his own. It's like, well, you made her stay at home for four years. And when you're out of the job market for four years, you don't make any money. I'm relying on you to bring home, to provide for us. You don't do your part. And for some reason, I get shitted on because I trusted someone's vision. And that vision didn't come through. And people just say, well, fuck you and your child. So think about it like that. But imagine if in YouTube comments that were like, uh, single mothers, this and that. You know what? It's the child that suffers the most. And then... You look outside a window, you see a mother holding a child right by a Walmart dollar scoop place, and you just see her, I will work for food, I'll whatever, desperation, just to for her to eat, her child to eat, and everything. Imagine if you just said what you would say in a YouTube comment, and just say, Ah, that's what you get for being a single mother, bitch. Because that's what these people will say in comment sections very comfortably. I'm not saying you got to be a pro single mother support type of thing. Um, I don't think it's it should be necessarily what you strive for. But there are situations where it just happens. Because shit happens. Um, it could be bad decision making on their part. It could be unforeseen situation with the person they're with. There's a lot of situations that make people go single mothers or fathers. Um, but are you just going to sit there while someone's holding a child and be like, man, your child's really going to suffer because of your bad decision making? It's like, no. It, it's, it's not your job to sit there and judge someone on the situation they're in. Instead, just offer a solution. Offer a temporary solution. Go by them, like, if you really care about, you know, people really passionate about this thing, about kids being in a bad situation, then when there's a kid in a bad situation, what do they do for them? Absolutely fucking nothing. That's why we live, like, you know, it's anytime I hear someone who's so anti-abortion, I get it, I'm not necessarily pro-abortion, I'm kind of like, I don't have a stern thought on a lot of this shit. But what I'll, when I always see someone that tries to lack understanding of the decisions of why people do things, let's say they, they'll pressure, pressure. Nope, shouldn't be a choice. Shouldn't be this, shouldn't be that. Fine. Have that belief. Then when that child is born, then what? They're not exactly out there being like, hey, I know it forced you to stay, keep your child, so we're going to make sure your child's taken care of through services, whatever things. When the reason why that mother was had because she was worried if she could bring a child into a decent situation, a world where she could provide legitimate concerns. And I don't and sit there and be like, eh, your problem now. I was like, oh really? Because when you were bitching about it, 
being so anti the decision about to make. You were saying it was like all of our problems. But just thought, not trying to get too political, not trying to get too like real life situation. Um, but I guess that border child's not gonna pay the bills. <laughs> um, may save a few though. All right, that that was really fucked up to say. Not even being funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm laughing. Um, but yeah, no, nah, but you know. On that type of stuff, it always it always fascinates me that people that are so passionate about stuff that's anti or pro things. Then it's like, all right, you got your wish. And then all of a sudden, they're hands-free from it. They want no part of it. They don't want to create programs that, hey, trust me, you won't regret this. We're going to create programs. We're going to tr- create things to make better situations. So these things can at least be appeasable so you can at least reap some type of benefits from doing the most important thing in this life which is raising a child it's literally called the miracle of life for a reason and no i've not seen the birth video of the miracle of life and god damn it i don't really care to um i have a good idea what birth looks like it's a uh, you know i once saw it firsthand it's been 26 plus years since oh the sight to see, it was like sightseeing, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I was just looking up like, that's really high, and it was just some doctor's fucking face, but like, ah, oh, Jesus, another one, <laughs> I wonder, how, I wonder how many babies, like, the average, like, a uh, labor, what do they call labor, the child labor person, where they're just catching the babies, that's a scary, that's gotta be a high pressure job, even though I know they're not literally like, you got to catch it. Don't fumble it. I know, like, obviously. But that's still a hectic job because, like, you know, they come out. You got the cord. Some have cords. Some you don't. You cut it too narrow. It's like, hey, like his penis is going to have the little thing across it. Or it's not. Cut too deep. And he's never going to get that deep in it. Um, In too deep. Right, future and Drake? Okay. And I guess the dog later's like, hmm, the, the doctor is like, I'm getting 90000 Child, you please, you are paying my bills. <laughs> um, but, you know, on a serious note, well, the whole thing is serious, but on the conclusion of, I guess, this, is that if, if you're going to be so pro or anti anything, you're okay to, uh, I, you're right to obviously have any side you want to be on on anything. All I'm going to say is whatever you choose, if you're going to say, be so passionate that people are doing wrong and they should be shamed, they should be put in jail for this and that and the other, okay. Make sure you are that passionate when they follow through with your quote-unquote virtuous, righteous decision and make sure you actually deliver a situation or offer a solution to whatever their uh, decision is. And don't you dare say that, oh God, this and that, because it's not what it's about. It's not what it's about. Because you know what? God's not going to be there when you're about to get kicked out the next month if because you got cut from your, because you got fired from your job just because they didn't want to, because you were about to hit full time there, and they want to start paying you extra benefits of working there for eight plus years, whatever the hell it is. God's not going to be there for that. So don't bring God into something. When God isn't going to solve the problem, when you're homeless on the street, God's not going to magically drop $100,000 in your head for you and your child. They're not. All right. I, regardless of how much you believe, God isn't here to bring miracles. He's here to bring guidance. And I'm not even a religious person, and I fucking know that. So anytime you want to bring God in the politics, it's weird how with politics, it's okay to bring religion to justify things. But when people try to counterparts, when people try to counter religion with actual research and facts, all of a sudden it's they're a detriment to USA because in the Constitution. The first is in God we trust. It's like, okay, you want to do that? 
You want to do that in God we trust? It's like, who else were they going to reference, huh? But, I don't know. Uh, I guess, you know, if you go through the process of raising a child, I'm not going to lie. I don't care if I do have a, if I had Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, buddy. You know what? Take me out for dinner. But dad, I'm, I'm making $18,000 a year because you want, I, I know, I know. But you know what? Show your dad some respect. It's like you literally just made $180 million last week because of your, because you sold some, you sold, you sold like some shareholder stocks. It's like, yeah, but it's the sentiment that counts. It's not about the money. It's like, but just pay for the fucking meal, dad. It's like, nah, get back, you sack of shit. It's like, but you named me why, and that's why, child, please pay my bills. And that is episode 125 of the Off and Beat podcast. Uh, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, follow the podcast on all apps, and most importantly, suck some titties. And there's my voice. Why did it take so fucking long to get back? My voice was really light this episode. But hey, gotta do what you gotta do. Alright guys, have a great day. Um, this will probably be posted sometime this weekend. So, enjoy. You sack of booty holes. Oh baby. Oh baby. <laughs>